0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of Cultural Conversations with the Big South. And I'm host Darius Thigpen. This episode, we are going to focus on the late Jerome Kersey, a legendary Longwood Lancer and a longtime pro who spent most of his time in the NBA with the Portland Trailblazers. And we're here to speak about the quality of the man that Jerome was a big man on the court, but larger than life off of it. On with us, Jerome's daughter, Kiara Kersey. Kiara, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: doing really well excited to have you on and also on with us is the author of the new book on Jerome Kersey overcoming the odds he's Kerry Edgars and he covered Jerome during his time with the Trailblazers Kerry how are you doing sir
2: hey good Darius thanks for having me on
0: well, the two of you, you, you each go back uh, quite a ways. Uh, Carrie, I, I'm sure you would remember it uh, a little bit better than Kiara would, but you uh, had the chance of, of meeting her uh, a few years back, did you?
2: <laughs> yeah, she was a knee high to a grasshopper. Actually, I've told this story before that uh, G- Jerome was the only athlete in, in 45 years of covering sports that I invited over for dinner. Uh, he and, and, and uh, Kiara's mother. When she was, like I said, a toddler, and we had them over. My, I had three young boys at the time, and it was a highlight of their life. They still talk about it today. About uh, They were the toast of the neighborhood. They had Jerome Kersey come over and have dinner with us.
0: And Carol, when you hear stories like that, because I'm sure you probably can't remember that exact interaction, but when people just were in awe of getting to be around your dad, I mean, how does that make you feel?
1: It makes me feel great. And like you said, I half the stories I don't personally remember because a lot of them took place like back in the heyday of basketball when I was like, you know, still really little. But I love hearing the stories anyways, because it is a part of who I am as well as who my dad was. And it speaks so much to who he was as a person off the court, which is the part that most people didn't get to see.
0: Well, Kerry, you go by the title of Dean of Portland Sports. You've been locked in on Portland sports, Oregon in general your whole life. Your dad was an SID at Oregon State. Many people may know of your work from writing a book on the so-called jailblazers of the early 2000s. So you go from your laser focus on the Pacific Northwest to Southside Virginia, Longwood University. How did Jerome Kersey take your focus from your market to a completely different part of the nation.
2: Well, uh, l- let me give you a little bit of background, Darius, how the book came about. Some, some folks in Virginia, uh, Hope Curry had been an SID, as you know, at Longwood and has started a book on Jerome years ago, had never completed it. And a group wanted to get that completed. So they reached out to me. As you said, I covered Jerome during his heyday uh, with the Blazers from 89 to 92 when they reached the NBA finals twice. And I decided that I'd I, I uh, you know, after talking to them and, and and making sure we had a publisher that was willing to do it, I decided, okay, let's go for it. Uh, I did get to know Jerome fairly well. Uh, we did a lot of TV type, uh, studio type work together. Uh, in the, la- the last few years of his life, and of course, I knew him through his entire 17-year career. And, you know, when I thought about this story, Darius, I mean, this is not just your average NBA player. This is a guy who came from a Division III school, was really off the radar, a second-round draft pick. The question was whether they're going to send him to Europe for a year or two of seasoning, uh, decided, okay, we're going to keep him, but he's probably going to be a bench guy. By his second year he, and third year, he became a starter. Uh, and became a 17-year NBA guy, and not just a, not just a quality player, but a quality human being. I, 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 in doing this book, I realized how thoroughly he was loved by, you know, not just the fans of Oregon, by his friends. I, I had at least five of his friends tell me, he's my best friend. We were best friends. Well, you can't be best friends with ever, all those guys, but he, he was the kind of guy that made you feel that way about him. Well,
0: Kiara, I've heard so many people speak about your father in, in in exactly those terms where they feel like he was their best friend. When you hear that and then compare it to your own relationship with your dad, I mean what 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 really stands out about the man who he was for everyone else as a public figure but then the dad he was for you?
1: Well, actually, the funny thing is the the the, syn- the synonymous things with who he was in the public and who he was at home were the best qualities about him. Is that he was a leader, and he wasn't afraid to speak his mind, and he was able to g- give you the the hard facts and able to have those re- the realness, the real conversations, um, you know. And that's that's all you could want in a father figure, and. Uh, what the people could want in somebody they, they look up to in the community, uh, somebody that is honest and has a kind heart and and really is is selfless.
0: And Carrie, I mean, for for us as outsiders, we think we know someone, but then you had the experience as a journalist getting to to know him personally and then really digging into his backstory when writing this book. Was there any difference, or was it like Kara said, really? He was exactly who people thought he was, as far as just being a great guy.
2: She used two two words that I think kind hearted and selfless that are that really do describe Jerome. He, he was a guy that would actually listen to people. Uh, a lot of these, uh, a lot of the pro athletes get to be where they're almost, uh, they expect uh, star treatment. Um, he got star treatment, don't get me wrong, but I think he. He related so well to people because he didn't act like a big shot um he, he would he would you know smile and get to know people and take the time for people when they stopped him on the street didn't like to be interrupted here i'll tell you this when he had dinner <laughs> you know, but after dinner he'd always take care of people with autographs and pictures and that sort of thing and uh, uh yeah no he he was he was the, the real deal as far as being a person that could relate i mean he, he really he was so popular in Portland he could have run for political office and one, I'm almost sure of, of that.
0: When you think of uh, Jerome's playing style, so aggressive on the court, you, you mentioned a little bit about his background, being a Division two guy who is barely going to make the team, it seems like. You would assume that a guy like that may have a chip on his shoulder, but giving his persona, it doesn't really seem like he was that kind of guy who was ornery at all. What in his backstory, or what in his... And his upbringing really made him someone who could be so affable and so easygoing as in, in compared to having such a, a tough uh, weight and tough path to the NBA.
2: Yeah. He was, he was, a, especially as he got older, he was a really physical player. He had two nicknames, Darius crazy, On this on the court, I should say crazy and the rundown man crazy because he went after it with every bit of ounce of energy that he had. And then the rundown man, he he did rundowns before LeBron James did. In other words, he caught guys on breaks and he would swat them away as they were trying to go up to dunker or, or, uh, but it it was his hustle and his style of play. And, and, and then off the court, he was, he was more of a gentle soul. I think Kiara will tell you that. So there was a, definitely a difference in the way that he played on the court and the way that he played off. And I think the reason he played like that on the court was he was always an underdog. And that's what, our, that's what our, the title of our book is, Overcoming the Odds. He, he had to come overcome huge odds to make the NBA. In the end, he was a great success story.
0: Kiara, talking about your dad's background, small town Virginia, Goes to Longwood University. How much of that was uh, a, a presence in, in your life growing up? How much did your dad talk about his early days and, and that making him the man who he was?
1: He, he very much, not, he didn't necessarily talk about like a lot of personal experiences, but in the way that he carried himself and the way that he parented. I saw how it related when I'd go back East and I'd see the family and Grandma Mary, my grandma or great-grandma who raised him, I definitely saw a lot of similarities in their mannerisms. And I was like, oh, that's it. That's the, you know, uh, what would you call it? Um, whatever level of strictness that there was. And, <laughs> and that was how he was able to, that was how, how he was able to, like you guys were saying, is rise from that and, you know, not having much being, you know, kind of underprivileged. And that's how he was able to push through and persevere through all of that is uh, that grandma Mary, who has just passed away very recently, that woman was a force to be reckoned with. And it definitely passed down to my father.
2: So glad you mentioned her Kier. I'm sorry about your loss. This just happened a couple of weeks ago. May was the very first person I interviewed for this book mm-hmm. and she and, and her husband, Herman raised Jerome uh, really from the time he was a baby and did a fantastic job. And I think the word you were looking for was discipline. They, they instilled discipline yes. in Jerome that, that uh, you know, that stayed with him for his entire life and helped him not just in his uh, professional athletic career, but also I think in, in the type of person that he was. Definitely
0: yeah the des- the discipline, the good old grandmother, tough love. Is that really what made Jerome who he was?
1: Personally, I, I definitely think so. Um, you know, she was the main driving force in his life. and that you know, it's something he could really, I think cling on to and and uh, that motivation going forward.
2: I don't think so. she was she was the one that was hitting him on the on the hands with the ruler all the time she was one you know, when she had something to say she would say it she made sure he and then I think Herman was probably the one that step, stepped in if there needed to be some paddling and and you know in those years the kind of paddling that they did they did it they, you know there was some physical discipline involved I remember Jerome talking a little bit about that so uh, you know but but really uh, such a credit to uh, to Mrs. Kersey that she was able to to have a, a, a youngster like that. Keep in mind, she had, I think it was seven of her own children that she had to deal with in addition to Jerome. And and wow, that's just so impressive to me.
0: And one of the things that popped up on my radar when I was researching for uh, for this conversation that I'm sure really no one could have prepared Jerome for was his time at Longwood, the, the social setting. It was not, ideal you go back to the 80s where you have a newly co-ed school Southside virginia you you kind of have an understanding of, of what it was to be a black man in those days but he's still jerome was uh, in a story that was told by uh, one of his best friends kevin brandon he would be the guy to kind of connect the different social groups he would go up to a group of, of white guys from a different team whether it was uh, soccer or cross country or something of that matter and kind of be the connection point so, Carrie, so when you hear a testimony like Kevin Brandon's about the man who Jerome was and the impact that he had way outside of basketball, I mean, what does that speak to maybe the culture uh, that he was able to build around him? And, and did stories like this make it into the book?
2: Uh, yeah, and by the way, he was like that in Portland, too. I mean, he was a connector uh, of not a people of all races and, and creeds and everything. And, and, and I know that started probably when he was a young kid, and and really reached fruition there during his years at Longwood. Uh, I asked Kevin and and some of the Black athletes that were there during that time how it was for them. It was still not far from the Jim Crow days in the South, and they said on campus it was great. It was terrific. The city of, of Farmville, they have some issues, but not on campus. And part of that was they were all accepted. And I think Jerome, I mean, he was the BMOC during that time. I mean, he was the king. And because he was so accepting of everyone, I'm sure that uh, it made it easier for, for all the Black athletes during that time.
0: And but Kara, when you hear that your, your dad was the big man on campus, I mean, would you have guessed that if you if you didn't like already know some of these stories, just the way that he generally was with you?
1: You know, so kind of he was he was he was a very to himself person when we're when you know just just hanging out he's very uh laid back there we go mm. he's very laid back when we're at home or you know if, even if we're out to dinner or something he's just he's a super calm collected guy that kind of just you know he's just kind of happy to be with me and with terry and you know when we'd hang out and it's just it's funny to hear him talk about that because i'm picturing you know college kid all like jacked up on energy and stuff like that and I can't it's hard to picture my dad like that so I like hearing the stories it's like oh yeah he was a kid too
0: <laughs> well how much does it take you back when you see your dad in pictures where he's got the high top fade going and you see him oh wearing his short shorts from the 80s like that
1: funny story about about the short shorts thing is um you know In school, once the other kids found out who I was, who my dad was, you'd hear their moms talking about, oh, I just used to think your dad was so cute in those short shorts. I'm like, I don't need to hear that. I'm in middle school. I don't need to hear that.
2: (laughs) You know, uh, also, Darius, uh, he, he was fantastic with kids. And I remember my boy was probably five or six years old. Uh, went to a practice with me one day, and he wore a hat. And Jerome, he had a pretty big head. My son, even at a little age, and I, I remember Jerome taking it putting on it on his head, and and again, wow, you got a big head, you know. And and kin with, with Nick, and Nick thought, he, I mean, he remembered that for the rest of his life, I think. But the apple of his eye was Kiara and he talked often about his young daughter until Harley was born. And then Kiara can tell you about that, that. When he was Grandpa Jerome, then she lost a little of the attention to her daughter. <laughs>
1: yeah, so how, how
2: was Grandpa Jerome?
1: Grandpa Jerome was, I think, the best version of Jerome. And it's the one that was with us for the least amount of time, unfortunately. Um, I wish everybody... Well, yes and no. I, I wish everybody could have seen the way he was with her But at the same time, it's nice to have just that for myself and for uh, our family. Um, (laughs) Just these little these little moments stick out to me, like watching watching a six foot eight man who's larger than life to everybody else, including me, change the diaper of a six pound, you know, five ounce baby. It's just about the most precious and funniest thing that that you could that you could witness and um he he was he was so comfortable in being a grandfather you know uh and I love seeing it too that's like I said that's the best version of my dad that I've ever seen and I couldn't be more thankful for the time that that we got together and the time that he got to spend with Harley. Excuse
0: yeah, me. Kara, no, it's all right. We, we appreciate you taking the time out so much to talk about your dad. You gave him uh, so much joy, it, it would seem. And you allowed to, the rest of the world, you shared Jerome Kersey with all of us. Um, it's going back to even uh, first seeing when you spoke at his ceremony um, back in 2015, the way that you spoke about him as a larger than life figure, this that was one of the reasons I really did want to have you on to speak here, because it was apparent just how much you loved him, how much he loved you, how special that relationship was, and how much of a giving man he was with his time. So I do appreciate you taking the time out to, to share some of your memories of your dad with us. And I do want to kind of, uh, as we begin to wrap up, speak to one of the things that um, your father gave even in death, was with um, his being an organ donor, he saved the lives of eight children, and that donation is something that I mean certainly no one can ever look at as anything other than just an absolute miracle. But, but Kara, how else, if we missed anything, did your dad touch the lives of others that we might not have addressed?
1: There was um, there was one thing that I I did it interview a while back for ESPN and I forgot to bring it up, you know, as they're asking me questions, you know, firing away. And I kept trying to think of things, but, um, when, when people die, there's holes missing from certain, and and sometimes those holes are unnoticed because it wasn't, um, it wasn't in the public eye. It wasn't something that a lot of people knew about and one of those things was um, after the, the Blazer games, usually the sweets would just throw out the food, whatever was left over. And there's a lot of food left over. And what my dad would do is he'd go around, he'd have us go home in one car. He'd go around to, you know, all the suite, suites and get whatever good food was left. And he'd take it to homeless shelters in the city. And, you know, it's just little things like that. Nobody told him to do it there wasn't any press covering it. I, you know, he wasn't posting it on the internet, nothing like that. Just, it's just one of those things that he was just doing out of the goodness of his heart. And, you know, something that ended up is now missing from that, you know, and then just visiting children's hospitals, just, just because, you know, nothing, nothing specifically said, he'd call and say, Hey, can I come visit? Basically, you know, um, Little things like that. It's the little things, you know, that really count. Stuff in the community, just going down to the boys and girls club, um, you know, whatever it is, and even just for individual people too. People that would see them around town, I still get people sending me stories about you. When know, they find me on Instagram or on Facebook, and they message me a quick story, they're like, "Hey, I bet your dad at a car wash, and he said this, this, and this to me. I'll never forget it." You know, those little moments that are so special to people. Um, and just that those won't happen anymore. Eventually the stories will stop, you know, at some point. Um, But yeah, the little things.
2: Yeah, Darius, to add a little context to what Kiara said, I'm so glad she brought those up. Uh, When he, after he retired, he became an ambassador for the Blazers. He wasn't just an ambassador. He was the ambassador. They had a set of of several guys that did it, but he was really the most prominent one. And in doing that, that's when he would decided just, you know, that he, uh, he was in these suites talking to, you know, donors and uh, season ticket holders and realized that the, the, you know, all this food was being going to waste. And so then he, that's when like uh, what Kiara was referring to is he would scoop up the food and take it down on it by itself and spread it in an old town where the almost where the, uh, were, were, you know, basically staged at that point. And it was a wonderful thing. And I'm glad she mentioned Boys and Girls Club because he and Terry Porter uh, were inst- the, the two players that Tracy Rose was the person who was in charge of the players during that time, their civic uh, contributions. She said of all the players during about 25 years of the Blazers that were the best in, in, in contributing things and, and giving of their time to charities and, 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 and she said children's hospitals, they were, they were Terry Porter and Jerome Kersey. So uh, that's another thing to be very, very proud of.
0: Well, Kerry, your, your book, Overcoming the Odds, celebrates the life of Jerome Kersey. And it, it really is a culmination of, as you mentioned earlier, the work of, of so many other people with Hoke Curry, the former SID at Longwood, having his work in there as well. You compiled all of the interviews. So it's, it's a lot of material that people will have at their disposal, a, a number of wonderful stories of Jerome Kersey. But if there's just one passage or, or one takeaway that readers could take from the book, what would you say this?
2: Oh, boy, that's awful tough. I, I don't know. I, I think we've covered it really, Darius, in, in the way that the that his, uh, there was a glow about Jerome and um, that was very rare. I mean, he, he had a charisma to him that, uh, that you know, it was just uh, it, it was because of Blazers. We, we only have one professional team in Portland of the top four leagues. And because they are in such a goldfish bowl, uh, he became, you know, just a living legend. And he handled it so well. And I think when people read, the, you know, the accounts of both his friends and other people that knew him through this book, I think they'll, they'll begin to realize that.
0: Kiara, the legacy of your father can certainly be felt at Longwood with court named in his honor. Kevin Brandon created a scholarship in Jerome's name. From the moment that you spoke at his memorial service, again, you just made it so apparent how much this man should be celebrated and honored. So for for anyone who never had the pleasure of getting to see Jerome play, never got to witness his radiant smile, what do you want those of us who never got to meet Jerome Kersey to really know about him as a man?
1: Pay it forward. You know, um, he is very much a giving person. He wanted to give give me the world, but also give me perspective. He wanted to, you know, give his all on the court. And I just think that just just be the, be a good person, be a good person in your community, be a good person in your family in your hometown, you know, to whoever you may meet on the street, just, you know, give somebody a smile. I know it's hard with the masks now, (laughs) but you know, you see somebody on the street, give them a smile, pay it forward, pay forward kindness, um, love, goodness, just whatever you can.
0: Well, you both have been excellent. I, I truly appreciate your time and your heartfelt sentiments all about Jerome. As we wrap up, uh, one thing that we certainly like to do, we like to promote what our guests for the uh, podcast are working on, charities or organizations that it might choose to highlight. Kiara, your, your dad had so many different things that he was working on in life, and that have been continued on after his passing. Uh, what of uh, Jerome's work would you like to highlight as we wrap up?
1: Um, well, currently, <laughs> uh, I his wife terry and um his sister-in-law lana and i we um been we started the jk25 foundation um so if you do look that up go ahead we're on instagram and facebook and everything and um it helps give money to children that can't afford uh dental surgeries and he was always about his smile you know that was one of the things that everybody loves to remember about him um so that's something that we've been kind of he started in on and we're trying to continue?
2: Well, a portion of the book, a book proceeds from the book here will go to the foundation and also to the scholarship along with it um, that Kevin Brandon started, which is really nice. You'll be able to buy the book. Uh, I, I know you can buy it at my website, Carrieggers.com uh, My web supervisor is uh, is constructing a, a, a jeromekersey.net. Uh, a, a, I think it's called JeromeCursey.net. It's not ready yet, but it'll be up both of those places. You'll be able to buy the book and uh, and, and and get it pretty soon.
0: That's awesome. We're certainly looking forward to that book's release. Um, as for me, I like to always uh, give a shout out to the Black Play-by-Play Scholarship and Grant Fund. The fund is a scholarship opportunity for Black college students interested in learning the art of sports play-by-play. It's a growing network that young Black broadcasters will be able to rely on as they get started in their careers to make sure that. We can also hear representation in the broadcast booth as well as we see it on the court and in the field of play also a huge thank you to dr ron brown at longwood he's done some excellent work at longwood with the alumni network to help uh, get this book going help um, working with you carrie on getting the book published and also uh, thank you to terry kersey jerome's widow who is president of the jerome kersey foundation for continuing so much of jerome's work You both have been excellent. Kiara Kersey and Carrie Eggers, thank you both so much for joining us today. Thanks, Jarius. Thank you. And thank you, viewers, for tuning in to Cultural Conversations with the Big South. We'll see you next time.